New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms, host of the New Dimensions Cafe, and today I'm hosting Father Matthew Fox. He's the author of The Tao of Thomas Aquinas, Fierce Wisdom for Hard Times. I'm speaking with Matthew Fox at his home in Northern California by remote connection. Matthew, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you, Justine. Good to be with you again. Good to be with you, too. So this book is taking this saint who lived 800 years ago, Thomas Aquinas, and um, bringing his wisdom up to us now. So what is one of the main points that he brings to us? Well, one thing is that he was a pre-modern thinker, but of the greatest depth one of the greatest geniuses, without doubt, that Western culture has ever birthed. He he died young at 49 years of age, and so he only wrote for 20 years. But what he wrote is vast in terms of quantity and depth and quality. I mean, there's no question he was a genius like Einstein or, or Hildegard. But because he's a pre-modern thinker, I think he has special meaning to our postmodern times. Because there's a tremendous yearning in our postmodern times for indigenous wisdom, for pre-modern wisdom, because the modern age is signified by its focus on the human, on the anthropocentric. But indigenous thinking, and Aquinas has a lot in common with indigenous thinking, does not begin with the human, but begins with the cosmos. Aquinas said, the greatest thing in the universe is not the human. The greatest thing in the universe is a universe. <laughs> and this is indigenous thinking. And this is what we need today because it is our focus so exclusively on the human that is literally destroying the earth, that has created the kind of capitalist economics, the kind of uh, reptilian brain politics, and the patriarchal mindset that is destroying the earth. And so we have to step out of this bubble step out of it and start over. And I think that Aquinas is one of the greatest geniuses to, to lead the way. And he himself is completely committed to science. And um, he says that a mistake about creation was also a mistake about God. And so we want to know what creation's about and how it goes about its ways. And of course, this is what science uh, gifts us with. So that too, that he's not afraid of science like some theologians are, he invites it. And that's why he spent his entire uh, career uh, uh, embracing Aristotle, who was the new and greatest scientist in Aquinas' day, newly discovered by Muslim philosophers and translators in Baghdad and in southern Spain, who brought Aristotle into into Europe. Also, he is non-dualist, and that means he's feminist. And if this isn't a surprise to a lot of people, that there is a, a, a genius male philosopher in the Middle Ages who committed himself to non-dualism, 
Therefore, he was feminist because, or at least proto-feminist, because as Rosemary Ruther, the great feminist theologian, says that the heart of feminist philosophy is non-dualism. So in many ways, then, Aquinas um, brings us in on wings of wisdom, of feminism, of something more than patriarchy, of non-dualism, and of cosmology, of our place in the universe and our place on the earth. And for all those reasons, I think he's a, he's a champion for our time. And just the, the brilliance of his thinking. You know you're with a substantive mind and heart when you're in Aquinas' presence. And he has so much to teach us. Didn't uh, he speak very highly of Mary Magdalene? He did. He says that Mary Magdalene was a great prophet, and she was a prophet to the prophets. And he says how um, bold she was. He admired her courage, how bold she was, that she went out to tell the male apostles about the resurrection. And Aquinas is startled. He, he, he praises her for her boldness. <laughs> so, yeah, he was... Uh, he was quite taken by Mary Magdalene. When you mention the resurrection, he talks about two resurrections. Do you recall this? Yes, he does. He says the first resurrection is waking up in this lifetime. And he says, if you do that properly, you don't have to worry about the second. So I really like that because he's not pandering to the fear of death and the quest for the immortality of our egos that kind of uh, comes with our human trip for a while. He's saying that really we should be focusing on this life and it should be a life of continual awakening. It's interesting that the Buddha's name means the awakened one. And of course, Jesus and Paul often talk too about waking up. But Aquinas really takes us right into the into the philosophy of, of resurrection itself. And uh, I wrote about this around Easter this season in several of my daily meditations. I do these daily meditations with Matthew Fox, and they're free. You just go online. And um, I took up this theme of Aquinas about the two resurrections. And I kind of presented to people and say, what do you think? You know, so what are you waking up to? And waking up, maybe waking up to, to climate change. And to getting out of denial, because denial is a refusal to wake up. And in fact, Aquinas says about denial, he says that those who choose to be ignorant of something that is important are committing mortal sin, meaning that you're, you're spreading a deadly virus around the community and in your own soul. So he's speaking directly to denial there, that denial is a choice to be ignorant. And, you know, how stupid is that, especially when you're dealing with something lethal, like uh, coronavirus or like climate change. Which reminds me also, would you call him the father of eco-theology? In many ways I do. Remember he came a generation after Francis of Assisi. And of course, Francis of Assisi is our archetype for green theology, his love of animals and the earth and living a simple life and staying close to the earth and the rest. So we praise Francis. Unfortunately, we put him in bird baths and sentimentalize him far too easily. But Aquinas was more of an intellectual than Francis, although he was an activist in his own way. But yes, Aquinas, for example, his definition of, 
of salvation is so amazing. He says, the first and primary meaning of salvation is this, to preserve things in the good. Incredibly green statement. I, I can't imagine a more ecological theology than that one sentence. And notice it doesn't say anything about saving yourself from hell or getting to heaven. It's about preserving things in the good. Now, if that's not a call to arms for all of us, you don't have to be a Christian or a Jew, or you could be an atheist, and you want to preserve things in the good for your children and grandchildren and future generations, not only of humans, but of animals and forests and all the rest. So just there alone, you have an incredible, profound restatement on a theological concept that many people think they know what it means, salvation. Oh, it means staying out of hell. No, it doesn't. It means preserving things in the good. To so start your life over and start your politics over and start your education over and start your whole culture over and start your religion over if you think that religion is about staying out of hell. Religion is about not creating hell while you're on earth. <laughs> there you go. I love it. I'm, I'm thinking... Uh... <laughs> Often when I do a prayer, at the end of the prayer, I say, for the benefit or for the good of all life. Mm -hmm. And that's, yes. that's what I'm thinking beyond human life, but all life on the planet. Well, and the Buddhists have a beautiful phrase, too, when they talk about the happiness of all beings. Beautiful, very parallel to what you're talking about. But again, it takes us out of our anthropocentric narrowness and agendas into the real world. And the real world is not all about humans. We were very late coming, and at the rate we're going, we're going to be very soon leaving unless we change. So we're, we're really up against some big decisions about how we want to live on this planet right now. And what advice would you extrapolate from Aquinas for us in these times well, he talks a lot about the goodness, what he calls the original goodness of creation. And of course, the Bible does too. Genesis 1, the first page of the Bible, goes on about the goodness and the very goodness of creation. So beginning with creation, and that's what my life's work has been, creation spirituality. And of course, being Dominican, like Aquinas was, I was immersed in this consciousness at a very young age. But he also talks about joy. When he says joy is a human's noblest act. But of course, goodness elicits joy. Goodness elicits joy. So it's about the via positiva, what the mystics call the via positiva, which is a first step in our mystical awakening. Again, our, our resurrection, our coming out of our sleep. And so I think it's so important to return to this, and especially in tough times. In tough times like we're living in, uh, with the virus and all this, we can easily fall into um, despair, or and, and with the climate change too, or with nihilism, or cynicism, all kinds of temptations to give up. They all amount to the same thing, because if you're in despair, nihilism, cynicism, you're not contributing anything. You're not contributing anything. That's why the word uh, cynic you know, comes for, from uh, a Greek word for the dog barking. You know, you're just yapping. You're not contributing anything. So Aquinas, by bringing us back to the Rio Positiva, is, is telling us to, to continually keep this in mind, even when things are rough, that a life is a privilege, and our existence as individuals and as a species 
is, well, a miracle. Rilke said that. He said, to me, existence is a miracle. And it is. If you look at the story of the universe, how this little planet gave birth to water and life and the rest and to us, it's, it's beyond imagination, really. And remember, the word miracle really means marvel. So it's a marvel. It's a marvelous thing that we're all here, whether it's entirely pleasant 24 hours a day or not. And God knows there's plenty of pain and suffering along the way. But this is why you want to keep the via positiva, the joy and the goodness alive in our hearts, in our minds, and in our purpose and our goals, that what we're trying to achieve by our work for compassion, for healing, for justice, all of it gets wrapped up. I like to use the word joy and justice in the same sentence. They go together. That's beautiful. And when you talk about uh, to marvel uh, and the marvelous, I, I think of the word uh, awe. And you point out that Aquinas really equates awe as the beginning of wisdom. Yes, and that's the Jewish tradition. Rabbi Heschel says that awe is the beginning of wisdom. But that's the entire Jewish tradition. And uh, again, we can take awe for granted. And remember, the modern age began with the philosophers like Descartes, who said that philosophy begins with doubt. That was not Aquinas' teaching in the 13th century. He said the philosopher and the poet begin at the same place, and that is with wonder and awe. So that's a very different start. And that's one more example of how we can step out of the modern consciousness today and return to our pre-modern consciousness, where awe and wonder really matter. And therefore, wisdom matters. Because again, the modern age threw out wisdom as a category for education. You know, when the university was invented in the late 12th century, and of course, Aquinas in the 13th century became a big part of the university, especially University of Paris, also University of Naples. When it began, the university was a place to find your place in the universe. That's what it meant. And with that came wisdom, you see, because wisdom is cosmic. She rules over the whole cosmos, and she rules justice and compassion for the poor, not for the lawyers and the judges. Well, all that shifted in the modern age, and um, knowledge became the purpose of education, and specifically finding your place in a man-made world, a man-made job. Uh, that became the purpose of university. So that's why universities are failing us so much today. Academia is in so much demise, as is religion and economics and so much else, because it doesn't have a, an earth context. It doesn't have a cosmic context. It's not even looking for wisdom. It's only looking for knowledge. And knowledge by itself is just raw power. You can do good things with knowledge. You can get to the moon and back. You can invent electricity and turn on the lights. But it doesn't give you wisdom. And as uh, Rabbi Heschel said, the world will not be saved by more information, which is what computers do for us, they store information, but by more appreciation. And that appreciation, that's the via positiva again, and that's wisdom. That awe gives birth to reverence, to appreciation, to gratitude. And with that, you have a different mindset in which to work and in which to operate and we can live simpler lifestyles, for example, when wisdom matters more to you than just knowledge, because knowledge is a power trip by itself. 
And of course, knowledge is patriarchal. Wisdom is feminine around the world. She's feminine in the Bible, Hokma in Hebrew, uh, Sophia in Greek, Sapientia in Latin. She's feminine. And of course, she was banished like so much else from women's experience in the modern era that became so excessively patriarchal. And we're paying this tremendous price today and we call it climate crisis. Well, I know that you're doing your part to bring us back to that celebration of awe and wonder and wisdom and the beauty of being in a body in this time to work with all these concepts and to share with other fellow companions on the road. I thank you so much for all the work that you do. Well, thank you. And thank you for the work you're doing with this wonderful program and that you did with your husband for many years. I don't even know how many years it's been. How long has New Dimensions been around? 40, 45 years now. Wow. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, that's been as a while. long as I've been fighting for Christ spirituality. So we're, we're of the same. Generation. I know. <laughs> We go back. We go back to your first uh, book, uh, "Original Blessing." Uh, uh -huh. That's the first time we sat down with you, uh -huh. many many years ago, and mm -hmm. and been walking this path. Thank you so much for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today, Matthew. Yeah, you're welcome, and thank you. I've been speaking with Father Matthew Fox. He is the author of "The Tao of Thomas Aquinas: Fierce Wisdom for Hard Times." And if you want to know more about his work and have information about his daily contributions, you can go to his website, matthewfox.org, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you to please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.